The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We are here uh, in a very small little dressing room with two large men and me, uh, the Gates of Agony, Toliana and um, uh, Bishop Khan. And um, it's really interesting because a few months ago, right when Kenny and I were starting to do the Golden Jets, we were looking to get a, a good match and get like a win. And Tony suggested the Gates of Agony. And I hadn't really seen much of your stuff or, or knew a lot about you guys, but we had a great match i remember really enjoying that one yeah no thank you for having us and yeah that match was was a good trajectory after that we kept getting more opportunities following so that's great Mm -hmm. now the thing that's interesting to me is that you guys both pretty much started um i know con you've been working a little bit longer but basically you were never a team until AEW. yeah that's correct uh we literally got signed the same day before we met with Tony, we actually, I went up to Toe and I was like, hey, never met you before, but I watched some of your dark matches. And he said to me, likewise, and we hit it off for a couple hours and then got signed at the same time. So it's kind of ironic. Tell me what happened when you guys got signed. It was funny because we were on dark and like we were hungry for opportunities and we both would size up the competition on dark and we both had that respect to each other. We we're like, all right there's something here like there's a tangible to where like all right i don't think you suck (laughs) and then (laughs) and it kind of panned out when uh tony brought us in his office and he asked us like hey what do you guys think about tagging with each other like we love the idea one because we're hungry for opportunities you know one and then two is like the fact that we hit it off without even knowing we're gonna be a tag team we felt like it was meant to be is this the darks that were happening at universal studios or the darks during the pandemic Universal Studios yep. for me. Gotcha. Yeah, Sam, I did one, I think, in Garland, another one in Jacksonville, but the other one was in Orlando. How did you get booked in Dark in the first place? So I was signed to Ring of Honor before uh, coming over here, and when we went out of business, kind of, I say, like a little birdie reached out to me, but it was QT Marshall sent into my DMs and reached out and was like, hey, out of the group of people that want to come over from the original Ring of Honor, we kind of want to bring you over here. Um, are you free this day? And it was like two days after Final Battle. So I made up to drive to Garland and then have my first dark match against Andrade. So, very quick process. How about you, Toa? It was funny. So, I'm trained under by, like, uh, Rikishi and, um, and Reno and also out of that same school as Miro. And uh, he was taking me under his wing. And I just, one day I just asked him, man, like, I, I was stuck. I had no tryouts for any companies. And I feel like I had a decent amount of value. I just didn't have opportunity for people to see me. And then he asked me, he's like, he's like, I can reach out to see and get an opportunity at Dark. 
hilariously, I said no at first. Oh, why? I came home. Well, because I, I knew once you get one opportunity, it's the, you know, the first chance they see you is probably your best representation. So I wanted to make sure I'm ready for that moment. Gotcha, gotcha. Mind you, I moved from the Bay Area to L.A. to get ready for said moment. So when I came <laughs> home to my wife and I told her, she's like, shut up and call him back. Say you're going to take that tryout. <laughs> and then, uh, then I hit him back up and then I got in contact with QT and, yeah, got everything set up for Orlando. Who was your first dark match with? Uh, I was tagged with this guy named Mike, and it was against FTR. Gotcha. How about you? Uh, it was Andrade, then Adam Cole, then Kazarian. So just they threw me right in the fire. So you, so you guys are here, and because you know, I, I remember the feeling too when you show up as the new, the new guy, and you said you kind of saw each other, you know, across the crowded room, proverbially. And when you say you're sizing up the competition, are you think, okay, like how do I get to the next step and get hired, right? My eyes was my my thought process is this: if I can be the best talent coming out of dark. I would have no question or no like thought process of mine. Well, like if I'm the best person coming out of this, I should be the next up. Mm-hmm. Like that was my mindset. I kind of just looked at the landscape. and was like, who kind of looks similar to me? Right. Uh, there's another big guy with long hair and tattoos um, who kind of works like more, I guess, old school style. Like we don't do too much in our matches. Right. So I can see how he was booking his dark match. I'm like, all right, this is the one guy I might have to worry about. Otherwise, I think I have this. You know, it's funny because I remember when we talked, like, we don't do much. But you guys have – it was great, though. Whatever it was that we did was great stuff. Yeah. I don't remember high spots or anything, but it was just good. That's what you, that's the most important thing, right? Yeah. For me, like, I was trained by Joey Mercury, and it was oh, always okay. about intention, intensity. Like, he'd always talk about Finn Finley, Regal, Eddie, Benoit, Angle. Like, as long as you're intense, these people will just keep their eyes on you. Mm. So just, like, working at a very high rate just – beating some up as like uh aggressively as possible just make it seem very real so i think that makes us stand out when we don't do too much it does especially now when there's so many guys that um it's just the way the business is lots of high spots mm. and lots of high impact moves but to me i mean i did a match with ishii where we chopped each other for eight minutes straight <laughs> i mean that worked probably better than any match i've had in you know in a while so i see what you're saying it's good that joey taught you that yeah, also kind of beat me up all the time. But <laughs> yeah. where did you train with him? Uh, he saw me at Maryland Championship Wrestling at MCW, and then Ring of Honor was starting its own dojo, dojo system. And he's like, out of the group of the guys here that I want to bring over there, I'm one of the guys. We did like developmental contracts, kind of like NXT, but like in Ring of Honor. Sure. So I got to work with him about a year and a half. I feel Joey's probably one, kind of one of the forgotten great workers in the business. Yeah, mastermind. Mastermind, yeah. yeah. I mean, he had some issues with, with demons and that sort of thing. He, he would tell you that himself. But mm-hmm. in the ring, I thought he was pretty pretty great. Yeah, genius. Like, he was teaching us how to work TV wrestling and making us really care about the moments. All about, hey, whenever that red light's on you, this is your moment to really just stand out and like, hey, look at me. Right. Like, do this spot. Do whatever moves you want. But, like, just really, like, work the camera. So mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people in the independence don't get to learn like that. So he's teaching us, hey, talk to your producers, talk to the referees, talk to the creative team. This is all your segment. No matter how long it is, those 10 seconds, 60 seconds is your time. So make sure you literally cross off, cross your T's, dot your I's for every little moment. He's right, yeah. yeah. For sure. It's good training to get. Mm-hmm. How about you, Toa? You mentioned you trained with Rikishi. Yeah. And I'm a pandemic wrestler in itself. So I didn't. my debut was my first time in front of a live crowd. Oh, wow. Uh, for the most part, yeah. So... One thing it was just instilled in me was like that red light on that camera. Like we did uh, our little Zoom like uh, show weekly shows and stuff. So every time I try to find that red light, so in essence, I was training for TV wrestling because I could have had a crowd to work for. So I was working angles, working um, camera shots and stuff like that from the beginning. And um, anytime so wait, you're saying you trained when there was no people, 
Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. So I trained right when the pandemic happened. Oh, wow. As soon as I signed up, pandemic <laughs> happened. <laughs> and yeah, so I didn't even get to do a live show before until wow. like until March 2021. So do you think that that helped you then? Because you mentioned you you now have to play to the camera because there's no crowd to play for. Um, you feel that that, I mean, obviously learning in front of no people is different than how I would have learned or how, how Bishop would have learned. Um, I would say it's paying off now, but when I first transitioned to where there was a live crowd, it was definitely a learning process on how to use the crowd to my benefit and ride the crowd versus you know, just going with whatever I recently called or whatever I wanted to do, I kind of like, now it's like, all right, I listen to the crowd and like, they tell me what to go next. Mm. Where early on, it was hard for me to even do that because I never had reps against that. Right. So like now that I'm transitioning into like learning how to work with the crowd better and, you know, just feeling it out there. Now in my subconscious, I already got the TV spot ready where I'm like, all right, here's my chance. Let me stand tall. Where's that red dot? Boom. I'm already there without even have to like worry about it now. Now I can just like focus on the crowd. Mm. Oh, you didn't want to start during the pandemic, but you signed up and then the pandemic happened. Yeah. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. So I was a trainer with Rikishi. Man, it was awesome. My thought process when I first started going to wrestling was, all right, who can teach me to be the best wrestler I can? And I was living in San Diego, and Rikishi School's in L.A., and I was like, man, no better person to teach me how to be a Samoan wrestler than a Samoan <laughs> Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, so training under him, man, it was, uh, it was three times a week. Um, he really took a lot of time out of training to work on with me, like, you know, after class or before class, you know, because he saw I was really – invested in it you know like me and my whole family man it was like coming into post football you know got hurt and i was doing the powerlifting stuff but i know like man if i bet 700 pounds it's not gonna put any it's not gonna put a million dollars in my bank right, account right, right. so i was like i need to make a, a lateral move here because i don't know what to do and then you know my wife suggested um you know wrestling so then that's when i looked it up and once you know once i decided to do that just put all our all our eggs in this one basket, mm -hmm. whether it was us moving to the Bay Area during the pandemic to live with family so I could still drive to L.A. for training or whether it was us driving to L.A. to fully commit to training and hopefully get an opportunity, you know, those little things. So, yeah, it was just I was happy that he was able to take us in. And, Are uh, you Samoan? Yeah. Gotcha. Half Samoan, half Puerto Rican. So so because every Samoan are cousins in one way or another. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's not a lie. <laughs> yeah, that's true, right? Yeah, that's very true. Do you know any other Samoan wrestlers? Oh, man, I, I, I know the whole family tree gotcha, for, the, gotcha. for the most part, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was trained uh, recently at the same time or a little after uh, Sefa was there, or better known as Solo. Oh, okay. uh, he was looking out for me a lot during the times where I was going to darks and, like, we'll have phone calls and... You know, we were kind of doing it together because right when he got signed was like right when I was getting my opportunities at AEW. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of like growing together in a sense. And uh, even now, like he always kind of like looks out for me and stuff like that. That's so. cool. What's your background, Bishop? Wrestling wise or? Like, I mean, like he's Samoan and what okay. are you? I'm Cameroonian, Irish and Czechoslovakian. Wow. Uh, Czechoslovakia doesn't exist anymore. It's Czech Republic. But my dad's from Cameroon, West Africa. 
came to the states when he was like 16. But there's more that there's more to it than just that though. Like, you have some <laughs> kind of royal uh, royal ties, right? Uh, so I'm a legit Cameroonian prince. Um, my grandfather was the chief of our village, Bua, and like I can tell people this back in the day. There's this thing called Bakwari, which is like a wrestling style. So the ways the chiefs became chiefs was first person that got slammed to the ground became the chief of like all these different villages. So I like to think that my grandfather did that. He probably bought his way into his position mm -hmm. after he passed away. It got passed on to my father and I'm next in line. So I get wow. to at least I went back there about a decade ago. Didn't literally have to touch the ground if I didn't want to. People would wash my clothes, make food for me, drive me around the city. You're kidding me. Yeah, it was, so it's like coming to America. Yeah, really. It was very really? surreal. Like We had drivers. I remember going to my uncle's house. I say mansion. It's like a big house in the village. Like There's small huts, but then when you drive, and there's paved roads, and there's like this huge like two-story house, and they have a servant and driver. It's just very... I never experienced that before. Well, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why you're not living in Cameroon. Uh, it's not the most safest place to live, yeah, I but you. I could definitely go back when I want. I know my dad just built a house out there too, but I always feel like I was destined to wrestle just mm. when I learned about Balquari and like this traditional wrestling style and then hearing about my grandfather being the chief and I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm real royalty out here. What is Balquari? Explain that. So it's just like Greco-Roman style wrestling. I don't think there's necessarily points, but at least when I saw videos about it, just basically grappling and then whoever gets slammed to the ground first wins. Mm. I mean, yeah, who gets slammed down wins. They don't do that anymore. There's this thing called Wasu, which is like a hybrid of Bakwari. Mm -hmm. So they do have like big tournaments in other places like in Ghana. Um, I haven't seen it live, but it wow. is out there. Yeah. But is there pro wrestling there? Ooh, not in Cameroon, but I know there's some in South Africa. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. So when, when, when Tony brings you guys in his office, did you both know that you were both getting called in? Or was it like one guy go action first and the other guy's in there? Or was it like Tony wants to talk to both of you? I think it was Tony wants to talk to both of us. Yeah. Uh, I believe Sean Dean was like, hey, in q was just like, hey, he wants to talk to both of you guys at the same time. And it was funny because, again, we were just talking for like three or four hours and we we're just getting get a giddy and like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, we're getting signed today. He flew us out here for what? We're just hanging out at the show. We're not wrestling. Yeah. What's going to go on? So, yeah, crazy experience. So did he have the name and everything like that? What did he say? Um, he didn't really have a name. He had like an, an idea or like an image for us mm -hmm. to be like Road Warrior-esque, mm -hmm. like on how we worked and stuff. So it was like, oh, that works right up in our alley. And mm -hmm. then um, the name he did come up with or definitely helped us come up with when we were kind of going through some trial and errors with some names. And then originally we were, we were going to go with Gates of Truth. Yeah. And then he made the, the change to Agony. And mm -hmm. oh, yeah, we like that. That's we'll better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gates of Truth sounds like a law office or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now you guys are a team. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of times, like, I remember when I first started out, I was like, I was with Lance Storm. We're going to be a team forever. And you, you're thinking about being a team. You guys are obviously singles. Now you're together as a team. What's your mindset now? Because when you're working just the single style, it's different from being a tag team. Before Toa, I was in a tag team in Ring of Honor for two and a half, three years. So I already had that experience a little bit. Uh, we were called the Soldiers of Savagery, SOS. We were part of Shane Taylor Promotions. Gotcha. Shane Taylor's now Ring of Honor, too. Right. Uh, so I had that experience, but I remember telling him, because Joey would tell me this, being part of Eminem, hey, if we're going to be in a tag team, we have to hang out all the time. We have to talk every day. We have to become good friends. We have to communicate, because that will show on screen. Mm -hmm. Like we, So then people see us here all the time, like, hey, you guys don't have to hang out. Well, we're always together. <laughs> Training room together, catering room together, texting each other every day. Like, we have to solidify that bond outside the ring so it's more cohesive in ring that was something that me and him both agreed on right from the beginning so it was like one of those things again where it was like this is the perfect uh marriage if you will to be put together within a tag team with someone that has the same 
train of thought and the same work ethic. Right. Because like we both feel like we can become huge single stars whenever the time is ready. But we know and we are both confident and almost competitive to the, to the extent that we want this tag team thing to work first. Mm-hmm. And we want to be one of the best tag teams first. And yeah. wherever the chips fall after that, whether we stay a tag team, anything we do, we're going to give our full effort. Nothing that we can like look back and have any regret. It's a great way to be. And also, too, it's like there's been a lot of times when tag teams get put together where they don't like each other. So it's so much more special when you actually do like each other and have mm-hmm. a common goal. Yep. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, there's also a lot of teams that want to be singles. And I, that, there was one in particular I don't want to say any names. It's like, dude, don't break up. Like, you you'll have your chance to be a single when it's right. But right now, this is hot. This is this is your spot on the show. Yep. You know what I mean? And that's it's smart for you guys to think yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it's crazy. Like our second tag match was against FTR. Yeah, like <laughs> main event, ramp, uh, battle of the belts. Second time we've ever tagged. And just like little things like who holds their hand out and like how to make the yeah. tags and just talking. Like, just, Let's talk about that. It's funny. Uh, what you just said is 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 holding who's tagging who. Because yeah, when yep. you first start out, if you both go for the tag, it's like two white guys trying to high five. You miss. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's that's a secret that people listening might not realize. You have to decide, OK, I will hold my hand out. Yep. You make the tag, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that something you said you figured out from FDR? Yeah, just like I feel like we whiffed on one of the tags. It's just like <laughs> we're still getting to know each other. Yeah. And just even like our pacing, getting into the next spots and just, hey, we can breathe. Let's just communicate. But we've never wrestled each other before. We've never wrestled as a team before. Once before that, but it was kind of like a handicap match against the greatest living tag team right now. It's like it's just so much pressure and like, okay, we have to perform. But then again, just to get the cohesiveness down. Um, but I think, I think we've come around and we've been together, what, over a year and a half now and yeah. a well-old machine, so. Everything's starting to click that uh, we just came back from Japan and I feel like mm. that moment as going into now, our confidence at our all-time high when it comes to tag team wrestling and almost like when we think of things or like what our potential is and what it could be, we know we're physically capable of doing the in-ring things. We know we're physically capable of doing whether it's the marketing side of things, but in, in lifting, say you hit something for three reps, you can get the math and figure out what you can do for one rep. Mm. But until you physically do it, you can't say that's your one rep until you physically do it. So for us, going to Japan and us physically showing that we're capable of the ring, physically showing that we're capable of wrestling the top guys in the world, not just Japan, and you know, proving that we can showcase on a PR marketing level that Gates of Agony is an attraction and we can do something. That's when it was like, okay, now that's why our confidence is high because these are all things that we already knew that we're capable of but until you do mm-hmm. it are you you know so <laughs> you know always had that one i'm a big self-doubt guy so i'm the most confident person that has the most self-doubt at the same yeah. time and that one self-doubt that's the only thing i can't keep quiet until like i prove it do you want a beautiful lawn enter true green the easiest way to get a great lawn just water and mow and they'll do the rest weed control fertilization aeration and more True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's quickly talk about powerlifting for a second. I never really delved into that here before. You mentioned that you powerlifted. You said in lifting you can figure out your max when you do a, a three sets. How, how, how much were you into that sport? How far did you get in it? I competed in the current U.S. Open, which is one of the biggest powerlifting competitions in the world to where 
first place took home 40 grand um and i i did pretty decent i took fourth in the in the strongest weight class was the super heavyweights uh my best numbers were squat 750 um bench 635 and then deadlift 750 that's insane so let's talk about like when you squat how far down do you have to go what's the official so break parallel so right where the knee and the hip crease meet right under that creates meat like so the the top of the knee and the the hip crease like oh, right where your hip joint is gotcha. like, so right when you squat down there's a line ah. so as long as your hip breaks that line wow yeah, and that's the, the that's the hard part rep. too because that's the, there's no way there's no coming back if you if it's too heavy. Yeah, and then if you go too low and there's a whole science to it too because if you want to get to the most to where like you can get the most out of the lift, so every lifter is different. Whether it's like they do better with more of a rebound, they do better if like more of a stop at like right. a certain spot. But sometimes if you stop, there ain't no coming back yeah. up. So everyone's different. How is it for the bench press then? Uh, they give you a little easy up call. So that was that was my bread and butter. As I literally just pick it up, put it down my chest. I wait for them to say press, and then so it's like it a up. second that you're there. So you can't yeah, really so it's pause it bench. Off. No, yeah, right. yeah, it's pause bench press. Wow, did you ever talk to Mark Henry about any of this? No, no, I didn't because his numbers blow my numbers out of the water. The only thing I would touch him on was bench press, but in my head, and every real strong man or powerlifter guy, like. They know the real strength is when it comes to the squat and deadlift. Right. So I'm not going to be the one to brag like, hey, how much you bench, Mark? How much you bench? Like, <laughs> okay, sorry, you squat over a thousand pounds. So I'll, I'll go sit in the quarter. How much you bench? Um, talk about the Mogul, Mogul Embassy and how you, that, you got involved with that. Yeah, just even when we got to the embassy, um, mm-hmm. Tony brought us in the off, into his office, um, told us that he was bringing in Nana, and Khan spoke highly of him, knowing him previously, so... And almost the same thing where like we looked at Nana, I'm grinning. He's like, "Why is that big dude just smiling over at me?" <laughs> and I knew, I knew from the very beginning because how high Khan was on him, I knew he was going to be somebody that also was wanting to grind and reach to the top because he was also someone that came from dark, mm-hmm. you know. So it was cool to get partnered up with him. And then when we heard rumblings that we were going to be put with um, Swerve. Swerve, man. I already saw, I saw the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a future world champion right there, and. Mm-hmm. Man, and I'll be damned if we're going to be the ones holding him down. I was right, like, right. up with him. We could be the t- the tag team, you know, that, that he needs right next to him, holding gold as well. So. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because you see sometimes that you guys get put together, and, you know, t- Tony loves factions. And so, yeah, I'm going to say it sounds cool, but like you said, now Swerve's broken out, and then you guys mm-hmm. are doing great, and Cage's great, and then Nana's like the, the unsung <laughs> yeah. hero in the company right now. Yeah. You know? Very. It's wild. Like, I told him that I met, I never met Nana, but I reached out to him via Twitter just because I'd always try to find like African wrestlers. Like, hey yeah. man, I heard that you're like an Ashanti prince and I knew that you used to be back in Ring of Honor as you were a manager with Tommaso Ciampa. I loved your work. Like, I just wanted to reach out and say that to you. And then literally like a year later, he's walking into TK's office like, hey, I guess I'm part of you guys' group now. So <laughs> things just kind of work out That's weird. He's from, is it Ghana? Yeah. Yeah, right? yep. yeah. Yeah. Talk about your Ring of Honor experience. How long were you there for before the company shut down? I think I got signed late 2018. Uh, I got brought into the Ring of Honor dojo with Joey, training four days a week and then doing shows maybe every other weekend, doing the, like the live shows. Um, I never knew what Ring of Honor was until maybe two years prior to that. I remember I went to a show and I saw the Briscoes, AJ Styles, just because I always knew about like WWE. Mm-hmm. And I went to this show, and ironically enough, I ended up getting signed there, and then I learned about the history of the company 
and just knowing about the people that went to Ring of Honor and like where they've ascended to from there, I thought it was a great jumping off point. Like, cool, I'm going to be able to get reps with some of the best wrestlers ever here, mm. get to travel the channels. We got to drive to these shows, especially in the dojo. They made us drive to these shows, set up the ring, did the MSG show, which was just crazy to yeah, see with so many people. Like a very rare non-WWE wrestling show at MSG. Yeah. <laughs> I remember myself and my old partner, Moses, we had to go at 5 a.m. and uh, help the crew build the ring and all the set design. And I'm just like looking around like, this is MSG. This is a yeah. huge Zip, building. Yeah. yeah. And then New Japan, I never heard of them before. And then they came in because the partner show and just madness. But I'll never forget like the feeling of just standing on the side and just hearing the announcements go over and just seeing so many people in there. Did you work the show? I did not. Oh, gotcha. No, just like but you the, got to set up the ring. Yeah, I got to set up the ring. Yeah, so yeah. I still felt a part of it. Yeah, uh, sure. But then towards the end of our time, I remember <laughs> Ring One was a great place to get experience. But it was just funny how things kind of ended. Where we were on a Zoom call and they're like, "Hey, we're closing down the company. Or Sinclair's is closing out, and you know, we're gonna have two more shows after this. So you have to go back to work after basically everyone's fired." It's like that's <laughs> oh, it's like a lame duck feeling, right? Yeah, like no, I know no one wanted to do those last TV tapings. Then final battle just felt like a swan song. Yeah, everyone wanted to just it didn't even really matter. Just like go out there and bow out to the crowd and just let's just have this legacy and let's see what happens from there. But again, I kind of already knew my exit path, so I wasn't too worried. But it was it's sad to think about. Like I remember watching the old DVDs. I have a couple of them. It was such like an era. Like mm-hmm. old school Ring of Honor, and like again, Danielson was there, Samoa Joe, like all these superstars. This is where they cut their teeth, and now they're like global superstars. Right. I wanted to be a part of that. You're getting to the point where they're doing a Hammerstein ballroom. And yeah, so, I mean, that's three thousand people or whatever it is. To I be got there. to wrestle there once. That was a very cool experience. Yeah, I saw the ladder wars with uh, the Young Bucks. That was quite the experience too. So they had you on a full Zoom call with the entire roster to yeah. say, "Guys, we're done." Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What were you thinking then? It felt like a, it felt like a funeral. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of us in the dojo that were just like texting each other, like, "What is going on right now? This is just, this is very strange." Um, and then, th- like, "Hey, if you guys want to buy out of your contract, you can. Otherwise, again, we have one more taping left." And f- and it was still COVID too, so that was just we had to go be quarantined in a hotel for like four days, and then tapings, and then it, people are losing their livelihood. It just felt mm. very uncomfortable. I also had a shoot job the whole time, so selfishly, I'm like, I know I'm financially okay. But this is people's livelihood. This people, this is right. Ring of Honor. It's just everything for some people. Right. This is just very and sad. Just to hear that it's just done. Yeah, in just, the middle of this pandemic when there's no options really. Yeah, yeah. Just it was like a funeral. It was like a shock to the system. So how long was it before you got into AEW after Ring of Honor was? Maybe like four days. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't too bad for you. No, not for me. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I thought it was great. You mentioned it before when you guys got uh, sent to New Japan. Mm. I think they should do that with some of our talent every tour that they have. So kind of tell me how that uh, came to be of getting the offer, opportunity to go there. Well, I remember uh, it was one day in the locker room. Brian just comes up to us, uh, Danielson. He was like, hey, you guys interested in ever going to Japan? And we're like, oh, yeah, for sure. And then months go on. Like, you know, we even previous to that, me and him went up to Rocky 
and like just asking for opportunities like i know they had the the la strong shows and mm -hmm. stuff like that like hey we're looking for opportunities this and that and then you know fast forward a year later then the opportunity arose for the tag league so then rocky hits us up and like hey we want to book you guys and then tony ao okayed it so mm -hmm. yeah it was something that we we kind of like it was like when we heard that they had some interest man we were so excited because we knew the potential that this could be so it was your first time in japan yeah kind of tell us uh go through it it's, the, the, it's a long flight and kind of it's a little bit of a culture shock what'd you think long flight uh for me it was like 13 hours i think what 11 for you yeah, is that the longest you guys have been yeah yeah for me. i think for, well, i flew find a cameroon was like 60 gotcha, gotcha. yes but, but for it was work, still yeah, yeah very long uh and then i think the big daunting thing for me was 23 days that's a long yeah. time. That's a long it time. Is. Yeah, it is. That being, is long yeah. being somewhere where you don't know the language, you don't really know anybody. We're hearing like horror stories about how small these hotels are and just holes in the ground. <laughs> yeah, on the floor. Like crap into a hole. Yeah, yeah all of you, exactly. But it was honestly probably one of the best trips ever of my life. The food was so good. It's cheap there. The quality is so great. The locker room was amazing. I feel like we we've kind of treated it like training camp. We woke up early every day, went to the gym for a couple hours, got back, hung out, went to the venue, warmed up again with the talent, and then had the match and just like Rinse and repeat. yeah, Groundhog's Day every single day. But it was mm -hmm. so much fun. It was to go to a different new town every day and just looking around and seeing I don't know, just look at, not even a culture shock, just ex experiencing and appreciating the culture, how clean it is, how respectful people are. Like I, I loved it over there. Yeah, I would say the only thing I missed was family. Right, right. Like, that would be the only thing. Uh, working over there, just you know, living over there for those twenty-three days was. It, it could have been a lot worse. Like, yeah. yeah, the the space was not the biggest, but also, we're in those rooms just to sleep anyway. Yeah. So I'm not looking to party. So <laughs> I went to Japan with Yokozuna with Rodney. So just imagine he's twice your size. So it was hard for him. Yeah, he'd be okay. He'd be okay. Um, so talk about uh, who were the other foreign guys on the tour. Was it Lance Archer, Alex Zane? Alex Coughlin. So not a lot, though. No, nah, not a lot. So who are you guys, tra are you traveling with, what bus are you guys traveling on? Heels bus? Babyface. Oh, baby, baby, oh it's Babyface. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, wow. big Babyface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? I, that Nana, yeah. that carried over. <laughs> Thanks so they had for the you this Babyface, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to love that because it's been so, I mean, obviously I've been to Japan so many times but back in the old days when you get on the bus and you ride for you know six hours and you get there and it's four o'clock and you gotta get ready for the show that starts at six and it's like that's a it's a whole it's something we don't have here in mm -hmm. aw because we only worked essentially once a week right I mean, yeah. it's twice there's three days in between or whatever so how was that for you guys with that, that schedule for me it was uh it was a good mental and physical like test because once you got into the routine, it's always mental. Like, uh, because we force ourselves to go to the gym, mm. because we force ourselves to, like, do an early warm-up with, you know, with the team or with everyone that would do a warm-up uh, in the ring before the show, the, all those extra steps we took, our body was ready by the end of it. I think mm. we were both in agreement that our last show, we felt the best after than we did before our first show. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of mind-boggling to think yeah. 17 matches in 23 days and you yeah. feel better afterwards. Right. 
you know so i was pretty happy sure. how we called things throughout that whole three weeks same because i think we went balls to the wall the first show and after that first show i was like oh, i'm hurting already like <laughs> we got two and a half more weeks after this you gotta you gotta pace yourself like, yeah hey, exactly is, uh, we just call them this is a ranch town farm yeah. town yep. country town <laughs> yeah. okay now we're in osaka big city okay yep. ramp it up a bit okay, yeah. right, tokyo that's the one you gotta hit five out of stars you know yep uh but like you said it was kind of like a mental test you get there at four and like oh you only have two hours and just it's not more lax there but i think people are so confident in their skills that yeah. hey, we don't need to stress about this stuff this is wrestling is easy like if you understand it and get yeah. it this is it's pretty easy so i think after the first couple of shows like oh we don't have to stress we're with, we're with veterans we're with people that are great talents who we're stepping up to the play and knocking it out every single time like this is no we got this we got this it's all right especially if you yeah. say intense and with the way you guys look i mean mm-hmm. you know pe- people are always intimidated or in this case, if you're baby yeah. facing, they're probably going to be cheering for you. But you guys don't look like the typical people that live there, right? So yeah, that helps a lot, true. too. What kind of uh, training did you do with, with the team when you got to the arena? Uh, what was it? They've done this warm-up since what? Like 75? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. That's what I want you to say. <laughs> just like some light stretches, but then some like leg swings. And then you just kind of get loosened up. It's but- funny because it's, 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 as we were watching... Because at first, like, I don't know, for me, I feel intimidated in the sense of, like, I don't want to step on toes, mm. and I don't want to start something and not finish it with the team if I'm not doing it correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at first, it was just kind of watching, and then when we saw all the other um, all the other guys that are, like, from the CMLL boys or, you know, you know the guys that were part of New Japan that got to fly out there, they started joining with the warm-ups, and then we were like, hey, we, you know, let's, let's try it out. Mm. And literally, man, it's just, like, it's small little movements, but, man, it's, like, the pre-warm-up to the warm-up. And I don't know. For me, the, the older I get, the, these little extra little warmers, man. Like you know, I'm, I'm a big muscle car, so you got to take me around the block. <laughs> the <time. laughs> yeah. Did they ever yeah. bust out the tire? They yes. did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to try that out. Explain that, what they do with the tire. <laughs> Basically, just back bends over the tire and then having the young boys just pushing on you on both sides and just really stretching you out. What, yeah. what got me was watching the young lions train and they were just bumping so yeah. much, like hip tosses for 30 minutes straight. And I was like, I kind of want to try that. And he's like, don't do that. Why would you do that? Just yeah, go yeah, beat yeah. yourself Four up. Four shows in a row in one day. Three yeah, shows in true. a row. It's like, but they're machines. Yeah. You can yeah. see they, how they train. I could see why. Every, there's a certain standard of quality that comes out of New Japan. That's why. Well, they take it very seriously, too. Mm. Like, and It kind of was like that when I first started. But now, it, I mean, not, nothing against anybody that ever puts on a pair of boots or sneakers or jean shorts and goes in the ring i have respect for but the the, the training level here is not the same Mm -hmm. and you can tell just by the way that body types are nowadays and that sort of a thing but there those guys Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee they're going to make it to the big leagues so they have to train their asses off and watch all the matches and do all the jobs then when they finally get a chance to get sent away on their excursion Mm -hmm. that's when they're ready to you know come back and rock it but it's not guaranteed yeah it kind of remind me again i so much praise in Joey Mercury because he would always tell us all the time you are a superstar the way that you train the way that you eat take care of your body present yourself like you need to look at in yourself in your mind that you are a superstar as a professional wrestler and there's a lot of people that don't deserve to do this but they do get to do it but right. they should be on the other side of the guardrail so just myself having that mentality but then seeing how much they trained I'm like I love like, yeah. I love that yeah. I respect that because that's how I'd want to work right yeah yeah, the tire is crazy. You you would bridge back over the tire, <laughs> your nose on the ground and your foot on the ground. Yep. <laughs> Just like anybody that has a spare tire at home, give that a give that a shot and see if you can do that. Man, remember the young lines pushing some of the vets down and they're just groaning oh. like, oh, oh. Like, yeah, maybe let's not do it. 
So who were some of your favorite matches with that you had over there against the various teams? Man. I like those war dogs. The war dogs. Gabe man. Kidd. Uh, the Bullet Club war dogs. Gabe Kidd and the Coughlin. Alex oh, Coughlin. Nice. Guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. The LA guys, right? Yeah. yeah. They were so... Intense. Talking about intensity and aggressive, like that's something we pride ourselves in. Yeah. And watching them, it almost got me hot to where it was like, how do they? How does it feel like they're more intense and more aggressive than us? Yeah. So I took it as like, hell no. Nah. So when we faced them, we ramped up ourselves mm. over a thousand or mm. whatever we've done, and then because of that, I even thanked them over it. I feel like they turned a switch in our heads because. They don't overthink shit. No. They just go. <laughs> and, like, they're aggressive in intensity, and, like, we'll apologize after. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, like, you can see it in their work, and I feel like they brought the best out of their opponents, and mm. they brought the best out of me that night. And now it's, like, going into every match, I'm, like, I got to bring that same yeah. intensity. Yep. You know, that was actually a funny thing. It was, like, when I was training, one of my knocks was, like, Kishi would always see that I always rise up to whoever I'm working. Mm -hmm. And I've always been doing that. Like, if someone's, like, really good in training, I might be new, but I'll rise up with them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I need to keep that certain standard yeah. no matter who's in front mm -hmm. of me. So it's like things that started clicking a little bit more and more now. So I was yeah. like, War Dogs for sure. And then we ended with uh, Okada and Tanahashi. Nice. Which is funny because after the, like, tag league tournament, they're like, oh, yeah, easy eight-man tags after ah. this. Oh, we yeah. had an eight-man tag, and then the last match, Okada, Tanahashi. <laughs> the, the I, I, guess like, oh, I guess everyone else gets the easy multi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. Those are two of the all-time greats. That was so surreal so surreal just standing in the ring i always like talk to him in the ring too and i see like even like your entrance coming out i'm like do you know who this is coming out right now <laughs> like the, the pyro like, this is just a childhood dream come true mm. seeing the rainmaker and money coming down people yeah. just losing their minds for okada i'm like yeah. okay Boy, it's, Easy. It's, yeah. it's, it's hilarious too because i got to stall off the match and I've only felt that one time, and that was in the ring with you. Oh. Like how the crowd reacted. Mm. It was the only two times I can be in the ring and be like, oh shit, this is star power. Like, like, the crowd just starts. Yeah. They just they just take over the show because then no one's rushing anything because mm. everyone's just letting it happen. And I'm just sitting there like, wow, this is awesome. So yeah. it kind of brought me back to that, and I recalled I was like, all right, I didn't let that affect me then. I'm not gonna let it affect <laughs> yeah. me now. You know, it's be you have a <laughs> There's electricity there, though, right? And they yes. want that. Yes. You know, I, I worked, I think, six matches with New Japan pre-pandemic. And my favorite was with Tanahashi. The Kenny, the Kenny match is the famous one. Mm. But my favorite is the Tanahashi one because, once again, it's a guy that, like, he doesn't do a lot, but he does everything. Yeah. You know, his, his whole presentation and the way he moves. And it was just so Good. I just, I loved Tanahashi. I would work with him every night if I could. You know? Same. They just have such an aura when they yeah. go out there, and you just, you, it's palpable. You can feel it. That's right. They're, that's what pro wrestling. When you think yeah. when, when people go to, to Japan, oh, it's strong style, and it is. But a guy like Tana doesn't do a lot, mm -hmm. but he doesn't have to, and that's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Yeah. Yep. You know? Less is more here. That's it. That's yeah. it. You know. And then once again, we we have a tendency here to call most of the match in the back in the states out there there's not that no and I, I love that so much yeah. i wish we could call more stuff on the fly and just yeah. just feel it out there we all know the basic language of wrestling That's you can right. just you can just feel the rest maybe it's because of time limits and tv yeah. and stuff like that i don't know it's different when you have 30 minutes and you can just do what you want right yeah, yeah yep. it's a whole different vibe than when you have 10 and you got a break in the middle which <laughs> yeah. a lot and tell the producer you know yep. but but just uh, i find that Working in Japan gives you a lot more respect for the wrestling mm, business very. and respect for the fans too. You know, they they watch you there mm -hmm. and they study what you're doing. If you do a nice reversal, you get cheered for it. And yeah. then it goes back silent again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, like it was funny. I did a, a funny bit during the tag league. We got our, our belt stolen. And I did a little bit to where like I hold the belt like closer to my chest. I'm screaming mine to all the people trying to get it. And I just see the fans in the corner just snickering, laughing. <laughs> so then I just even leaned on it where there's like me looking at them, me taking my belt. And like, yeah, just like those little things. The fans are watching everything because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this little bit. We'll see if it gets over. I'm right. Like, oh, this is getting over way more than I thought. <laughs> more than you expected. Yeah. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Let's talk about the culture shock of uh, being in Japan, you know, as far as just the way of life there. And you mentioned you liked the food. Was there any moments where you were there where it was kind of like, what the hell is going on here? Uh, the day we probably had horse meat for me. <laughs> <laughs> probably, don't know for sure. <laughs> uh, it's this little restaurant, like everyone is so close and compact and you just see like the raw horse meat come out first. Like, oh, we're going to cook that, right? No, we're not going to cook that first. You're just going to eat that as is. It wasn't bad at all. I kind of liked it. And you had... It's kind of like going out the sponsor dinners where you have someone take you out and they're just putting food in front of you. And they, this man can eat so much more than I can. And I felt so bad. Like, I can't, I can't eat any more steak. I'm, I'm full. I have, I have abs. I have to focus for tomorrow. <laughs> That's the best thing with being someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you have any a- abs. Yeah. I always love that with the sponsor when they would take you out. And like you said, and sometimes it's yakiniku, Korean barbecue, which yeah. I love. And other times it'd be like some weird sushi or something, but mm. you can't insult the sponsor and be like, oh, this is so bad. <laughs> but at the end of the night, he'd shake your hand, give you money for the taxi and be like, you know, 100,000 yen or something. It's like, yeah. oh, I made a thousand bucks just to hang <laughs> out, man. Did you guys have a lot of sponsor dinners there? Uh, we had a we had a few to where mm. some of the boys would invite us out to their sponsor dinner. Mm. So like, man, that whole trip was like a really good bonding moment with the boys from New Japan. Yeah. Like, I feel like we, we created a new brotherhood with those people over there, even with some of the boys from CMLL. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so those three weeks, I feel like we, we created a brothership with everyone that was on that tour. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, when you're around each other every day for, things mentioned, 23 yeah. days, there's a different vibe there. You know what I mean? It's not, not like it is here when you see each other once a week. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there you get up in the morning, you're on the bus together, you're traveling, you're at the truck stop, you make it to the venue, you do yep. the show, you get back on the bus, you know, you go to the hotel, have a drink. It's, it's different, different uh, experience. Yeah, no, definitely. Sure. It started with like handshakes and people kind of being a little apprehensive with us, not really talking to us too much. And then the last day, everyone's hugging each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll see you down the road. And just yeah. felt like a like a little family reunion saying goodbye to everyone. We'll see you guys later. Do you guys think you'll get a chance to go back there? It's been discussed. Um, I mean, I hope so. Yeah, I think Gato was a big fan of us. So yeah. yeah, Gato, man, he was he was awesome. Um, even from when we first started for our first match all the way to the end, he he really did a, a really good job in like looking out for us mm. and. Uh, we kept coming up to him asking for like uh, feedback and things that we can do and change. And I think it's it's helped us as a team overall. And we bring a lot of those ideologies, uh, a lot of those ideas that he pitched to us in our beginning matches that he was like, hey, I wouldn't do that here. I would do this here. It really pay, uh, pays off for us here now that we're back in the States where mm-hmm. we go back to TV. What I would do for a throwaway, I'm like, oh, no, that's a lot bigger than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Now I can use it in the back end now. Well, you're learning that stuff. I mean, you've only been in the business for three years or so, right? (laughs) And Bishop, you've been a little bit longer, right? Just over seven. I mean, you know, it's I've been 33 and I'm still learning. So you guys are very young to the business. And that's why going to Japan at this point in time Mm -hmm. is such a great 
lesson in the ring, but also life lesson out of the ring too. For sure, you have to learn to like handle yourself. Yeah, I meet so many people at the schools that we might train at sometimes that are you know, early twenties, and to me, they're just kids. Like you guys have no idea how this actually is as an adult. Like you, yeah. have, to, <laughs> you have a lot you're gonna have to experience in wrestling, and like it's yeah. it's so much bigger than this. Right, right. Yeah, I was laughing when you first came in to AW and you had the name Khan. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can't have the same name as you, Tony. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Was, was there one point just calling you Bishop or something like that? And then yeah, Tony's like, it's okay, I'm, it's his name, but it's your name too. Yeah, I remember I was talking to him about that. I was like, hey man, I didn't, I didn't know you in 2017 <laughs> when I got this name. Like, it's just the irony here that this happened the same thing, but. Well, it's spelled differently. Yeah, yeah. You got <laughs> yeah. Nick Khan, Tony Khan, Bishop Khan, Khan's Great around. Great O'Con, yeah, there's a lot of Khans out here. <laughs> <laughs> Great O'Con. Killer Khan, who just passed yeah. away. <laughs> Last, as we start to wind down here, um, now you're back in, uh, in AW after Japan. I know that was just a few months ago. Got lots of great stuff uh, happening. So what are kind of your overall goals for this year in 2024? I think number one is tag team gold. A real shot and run at the tag team gold, either AEW Ring of Honor and like get in that division because we've been doing six man stuff for the past year, and I think we've year and a half we've solidified that we're like the greatest six man champs of all time, Ring of Honor. So and you're the six man champ, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to evolve to move up. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would think um, biggest goals for us would definitely be the AEW tag team gold, gold, and um, also to be a part of a big big pay per view, whether it's mm. you know, you know, all in this year, you know. Um, we're Wembley. shooting, yeah, for Wembley. So a lot of these things, man, we just want validation. And I feel like going and proving ourselves in the biggest stage that, that any wrestling promotion could offer, such as Wembley, I feel like would really solidify us yeah. as a tag team and kind of showcase and prove everyone that, you know, we're here to stay and we're here to, and we belong, yep. you know, to showcase in front of, you know, 81,000, <laughs> yeah. over 80,000 people, man. <laughs> I don't think of any other better place than to showcase or prove that we deserve to be here Agreed. than the biggest place of them all. Being a six-man champion, is there, is there major differences between a tag team match and a six-man match for you guys? I mean, for us, I think just being us in the tag team, uh, we always have to account for Brian. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I always have the third out there. But Like uh, early on, it, it helped a lot. Like, you know, putting the matches together, you know, and stuff like that. But now that me and Khan are starting to have our own, like – our own vibe, our own like ideas when it comes into working, it's kind of harder to mm. mix it now with Brian. But even so, I feel like even our last couple six man matches have been pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, we just don't have the same reps with him as we did when we were in Japan. So yeah, yep. it's one of those things that we just been focusing on and honing in on our tag team craft. So when we transition to our six man, it's not that it's not as good as our tag team, it's just not as crisp. Right. But right. when we do come back to the six man, it's better than it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that's good. There's an art form to it. Yeah. yeah. No, there really is. Who are you guys working tonight? Got Bullet Club Gold. Yeah. Jay White and the gun that's club. Big, and the gun club. That's, yes, that's a big spotlight for you guys. Yeah, no, definitely excited for that one. Yeah, that was former. one of the matches that uh one of the teams I wanted to to face going into this year. So like I said, coming for the top guys in the company to showcase that we belong in that same uh, upper echelon too. Yeah, definitely. Last question for you: What's your favorite match that you've ever had? Does one of them stand out? You can go first. Type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, favorite match? I, I, I would, I would definitely say my first one. And the only reason why I would say that was because I had so much fear going into my first match, and I remember going out to the crowd and panning like eye level with the crowd. Like, wow, there's a lot of people. And then I pick my head up. I'm like, oh, there's more people. 
And then I pick my head up one more time. I'm like, oh, shit, there's a lot of people in here. I think because we were in Orlando, I think we sold uh, like over 10,000. And it was elevation against FTR. And like, I just remember like, man, after all those years and like all those, you know, the years of like training and like putting all of that hard work in with the family. And I'm like, now it's, it's either put up or shut up time. Mm -hmm. So I would say that would be my favorite match. And then my favorite two moments, I definitely would say, like oh, I said earlier, was like, being in the ring with like you and Okada before the match even started. That's cool. Because that's the first time, like I said, I'm a pandemic wrestler, so yeah. it's the first time like I can really feel the crowd yeah, before yeah, the match yeah. even started. So those are the two instances. So I'll say those. Jeez. This is tough. Um, but I think sometimes my girlfriend tells me that I have a hard time really hum being humble and like taking it and everything, everything that I've done so far. So I was talking to somebody the other day, like I got to wrestle Dustin in the main event at Rampage in Austin. And that just happened by happenstance. Like, I got called at 4 o'clock. I had to drive an hour and a half there. And I got to wrestle with someone that I watched growing up as right. Gold Dust, like, on national television in the main event. And, like, I just couldn't even process that, that that happened. And sometimes after these matches, too, I'll go just sit by myself in the corner. I'm just not coming down, but, like, trying to realize that I'm living my dream. Like, it's very hard to just – I told him I'm never going to get used to this. I walk into these buildings. I'm like, this yeah. is – I used to, as 10, year, 10 years old, I used to watch like videos of the backstage stuff and like the fan right. and be like, oh, I wonder what wrestlers do. And I'm, I'm doing it. I'm yeah, literally yeah. living my dream. And it's just, every time is like a great moment for me. It's, yeah. That's I'm amazing. still speechless, yeah. Do you, ever, do you speak any Cameroon? <sighs> uh, they speak pidgin, which is like a mix of French and English. My dad kind of lost the language, so I don't know anything other than like, say no to the destin, which is like, this is my destiny. So I want to teach myself French because I think that'd be a nice little... I didn't know you realized Cameroon is French. Yeah, the French colonized Cameroon. I forgot whenever <laughs> that happened, but... <laughs> Did you speak any Samoan? A few words. Give me a word in Samoan. Uh, tolofa. <laughs> and Olofa. <laughs> and, and Malo. 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 <laughs> Thanks, guys. No, thank you. Yeah.